Hello, hello, and welcome to the SOS Small Business Podcast, where we're all about building brands that survive while developing people that thrive. And those people, of course, are you. We got a really hot topic to talk about today. Um, it'll apply to you know any small business that might need to really look at um, you know who their competition is. But of course, you know, because I do most of my business in the beauty industry and the salon industry, it definitely applies to us. So welcome aboard, you guys. I'm your host, Bonnie Bonadeo here for the SOS podcast. And you know, we're we're we look at ways to be able to say, how do we build the brands for you to survive? And to do that, you have to understand that that some technology has to be in play in order for a brand to grow. There's an organic approach, there's a non-organic approach, but either way you have to understand some levels of technology because the last year has proven to us that if we're not out and about, word of mouth is not going to support us. So we have to figure out ways to be able to create that organic word to mouth, uh, word, word, mouth, word to mouth with technology here, okay? Word of mouth with technology. Boy, that was a tongue twister. All right, and we do that through looking at strategic opportunities to find success. And we break that down into five little areas that we call the SUM strategy, and it's sales operations, mindset, marketing, and education. So for example, if you wanted to increase your sales, Okay, then you might need to look at how your operations are set up in order for increased sales to happen. You might need to look at, do you have a marketing uh, opportunity or campaign set up to be able to increase sales in a particular area? And then of course you might need to educate yourself on either the operation piece, the marketing piece, or the mindset piece. You might be able to, you know, you might have to expand not only your mindset, but then share with the team that mindset so that you guys can all grow together in order to do that. Now we look at these things all separately within the coaching program that I offer. Um, but we also, you can also see how each and every one has to touch the other one in order for you to have the success that you're looking for. They're not separate pillars. They're pillars that are all holding up one opportunity, and that's to be uh, a more profitable business in here. So today's topic, we're in the sales category, all right? And the sales category, it, it makes sense for this particular topic, but we're talking about a shiny new boat. Now, I know many boat owners, and I also understand as a previous boat owner, because we did uh, sell our boat for a shiny newer boat, and unfortunately, the pandemic hit, and that shiny new boat um, didn't happen. But I know most people that buy a boat, they think, oh yeah, I'm gonna upgrade to the bigger boat, the faster boat, the nicer boat. Um, and that's kind of the philosophy that happens in the boat world is that there's always a bigger boat, right? So this shiny new boat philosophy doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be bigger, but certainly it should be better. So then let me ask you, it, you know, if, if we're using boats as an analogy here, do you think clients really want a shiny new boat? So if, if they're going to decide to go somewhere else, what do you think the reason is that they're going to go somewhere else? Do you think the reason is, is because they think that your salon needs to be more shiny or more new? Um, you know, is there, is it the stylist that maybe thinks that the salon that they're in is not shiny or new enough or big enough? Um, you know, who's the person that is kind of dictating this current migration that's going on? And 
if we're really clear on why people leave us, clients, stylists, um, what you'll realize that is it's not because it has to be bigger or better even. Um, you know, sometimes people are looking for different opportunities and different, different options, okay? And that option, of course, is that we are, we are talking about um, Amazon. We're talking about this, all this hubbub that's been going on over the last week that Amazon is opening up salons. Now, right now it's in London, so it's not a threat to us here in the U.S., um, but Amazon is a U.S. company, so we have to be able to look at this realistically. So all this stuff went out that, you know, Amazon has opened up a salon in London, and it is the shiny new thing or the shiny new topic that's happening here. But it was interesting because I was reading this article and they, they asked some questions. And the question was, why do you think Amazon, you know, decided to open up a salon? And these top three answers came out that said, you know, oh, they want to be able to explore in-store technology. So Amazon is, for the most part, an online business. Now, maybe some of their entities like Whole Foods and everything is a, is, um, you know, a person-to-person -person business. But 53% of the people said they want to explore in-store technologies. Okay, so that's interesting. I don't, I don't disagree with that necessarily. The second uh, percentage was 27%. And the answer to that was to explore B2B with beauty pros. Okay. And then I'm thinking, well, maybe, you know, I mean, why beauty, right? We're going to answer these questions here a little bit. And then 7% said, because they want to be, they want to get into the salon business. They want to open up salons. So they might see this, uh, this success path that Madison Reed has taken. You know, they were this online, you know, we're going to formulate your color. We're going to ship it to you in the mail. You're going to apply it yourself and you're going to love it. Okay. That Madison Reed philosophy. And then all of a sudden Madison Reed says, you know what? I'm not everybody likes to apply their own color. They might feel insecure to this. They don't want the mess. Um, they want a professional to be able to do it. So we're going to open up brick and mortar locations that is going to be the same philosophy, but now we're going to have stylists that are going to be applying your color for you. Um, so we're providing that service for you at, you know, this reasonable rate in a sense. Okay. And so 7% think that maybe they're opening up salons because they want to get into this competitive marketplace. We're going to discuss all of these in a little bit more detail as we kind of progress on. But let's look at maybe what some of the truths are here. The truth of 53% of the people wanting to explore in-store technology. And again, I asked the question, why salons? All right. It's a regulated industry. It is even in, in Europe. It's still a regulated industry in Europe. Why not pharmacies or drugstores? Okay. I mean, they could really, they could be in the drug business tomorrow and they could open up pharmacies and compete with pharmacies um, on selling drugs to clients. All right. Or any drugstore because everything that you can find on Amazon, you could probably find in a Walgreens or a CVS or a Dwayne Reed, right? But why not those industries? And, and the reason why is because those industries are already highly competitive and profitable. So they're not going to go into an industry and kind of compete with something that is already in a profitable place. They're going to go into an industry that they think can be developed to be able to be profitable, which might in fact be the salon industry. Okay. Now, 
that's what they're thinking right now. I'm curious who the people are behind this that thought this was a good idea. I'd love to, I'd love to hear a little bit more about this. So I'm gonna be diving into this topic more and more. All right, so the second thing at 27% was to be able to explore B2B and B2B is business to business with beauty pros. So to be in the professional business to business beauty pro landscape here. And then you have to ask, but why beauty, okay? And the answer to that is because beauty products are highly profitable. Services, maybe not so much. By the time you create the salon, you buy all the, uh, you have all the cost of goods, all the products, and then you're paying people to um, do the service, there's less profitability in a service-based business. There's an enormous amount of profitability in a product-based business, especially beauty products, okay? We'll talk more about this. And then the 7%, the, the remember the 7% was because they felt like Amazon wanted to go into the salon business and actually open up salons, which of course they got their first one. So we have to assume that is truth, right? But it still seems questionable, all right? The reality is, is that you still need qualified stylists to perform the service, right? True? Like Amazon is not applying the color. Amazon is not doing the haircut, <laughs> It is a licensed professional that is still doing this, all right? So, you know, we're talking about Amazon and, and let's, let's talk about then what's making this particular scenario unique. So I went through all these articles and I kind of broke it down into eight little areas here. And some of them kind of fall into each other, but they still have a separate identity here as to what makes this unique, this Amazon salon over maybe another salon. The first thing is you guys need to understand is that this is really an experiment, okay? They only opened one and they're going to experiment with the technology in the beauty landscape with clients and of course with licensed professionals to be able to do this. So it's not... It's not really a threat yet, all right? And they're gonna test new technologies in this B2B, business to business platform. New technologies that are saying, um, you know, your clients see something they like, now they get to see it on themselves and then we get to perform it, right? And haircutting and coloring categories, fine. Okay, great. This technology is already out there. There's all kinds of apps that you can put your face to and be able to see different colors and different haircuts on you. So the technology is already there. Some of you may or may not be using it. Um, but let's go through all these eight and then I'll go through into more detail. Uh, the Amazon Fire tablets at each station is kind of this unique piece to it. Augmented reality hair consultations. So, you know, clients get to literally see themselves with this new hairstyle or color. Um, imagine, instead of imagining what the color is going to look like before the application, they can literally see themselves as to what the color will look like before the application. Uh, number six is point and learn technology for display info. Now, now I'm interested. Now I'm getting kind of interested in, in this type of technology. Number seven is scan Q, scanning QR codes for delivery. Um, great. Okay. We understand the whole QR code process now. And then number eight is a distribution center for professionals. All right. Certainly, likely. I get that one, but let's break these all down and go into them a little bit more. So number one, experiment. 
if the technology shows a client um, what she can look like as a platinum blonde, will technology still be able to achieve the results? No, right? No. Um, this is where human skill and tech skill has to be able to play a role in here. Just because she might say, oh my God, I love this platinum blonde look on me. I want to be platinum blonde. We still have to be really good, educated, and good communicative stylists to be able to say, great, you know, you're a level three right now, which is dark brown, and you are not going to be platinum in one day. So we still have to bear the burden of these expectations with clients. So really none of this has changed. Like this piece right here, not that different. Yeah, maybe they're bringing in a picture versus getting to see themselves on it. But you know, again, this is where the professional has to come into play. So human skill versus tech skill, human skill is gonna win out on that one, right? Then remember the second thing was that they wanted to test technology. Who's performing the haircut and color? Okay, we already decided it's not a machine, maybe one day it's a man, okay, or a woman, or anything in between, to be politically correct. Um, so, you know, is it machine over man as the expression, I will say. And it, you know, of course, it's a, it's a human being that is performing the service. And the service cycle still applies, you know, that, that you would, it would require a qualified professional to do this service okay it's not like they can walk into this futuristic salon sit down in a chair go onto the fire tablet pick a style look in the you know maybe it's this mirror concept where they look in the mirror and see themselves as a platinum blonde and then go great this is what i want done and you know and it magically happens no all the same rules apply for the professional to then achieve that results. So we have to think, you know, how does this help us? How is, how is this scenario of an Amazon salon having us look at the way we're doing business and trying to achieve a more high-tech, high-touch environment, okay? What could we be doing now that could make it more high-tech and high-touch and what do we need to be looking at in the future in order to be more high tech and high touch? And do you have access to some of this technology now? And the answer is yes. We would just have to take the time and the energy and the effort to do it. But the truth is, is we are a people to people business and sometimes technology can kind of like get in the way. Um, and if it, in so we don't, we don't, it's not a crutch to us in our business. We really rely on the skill that we have, the products that we've used, the experience that we know um, in order to achieve this. So, you know, going back to the number three was this, the fire tablets here. Are the fire tablets with them being able to see themselves with these new looks, is it helping or hindering? Is it consulting with them? Is it true consulting or is it complicating the consult consultation? You know, again, this is where experience over expectations has to come step in. And could you do this now with any pad? Like, could you, you know, could you download those apps and have the client kind of like take a picture of the client, have their client put a picture in themselves in there? You could. And I believe that some of you are already doing this type of technology in your business, but you could be doing something like this at this point. Now, 
maybe the results of looking at it are not as good as what Amazon can develop. So maybe this Amazon technology is really, really like top notch and state of the art and, and, you know, 2021 type of thing. I've seen some of the apps before where it's like, you know, you're putting on these different colors and cuts and, and they don't look so good. It's like, that doesn't look like me. And it, it and it's not a good representation of me. So maybe they're going to, maybe they're going to achieve this here. But again, the truth is you still need a human to achieve the desired result. You still need a professional to mix it, apply it, finish it. Okay. Cut it all of that stuff. And as we know, as professionals in our industry, that if a client puts on a particular look and they like it, the formula is going to vary and the results are going to vary for every single client. So you still have to have that foundational knowledge that makes the most sense for you um, in order to achieve these type of looks. So you know, are we setting ourselves up to fail by them looking at themselves with this beautiful platinum blonde or this, you know, rose gold color and then not being able to achieve it because of previous colors that they've had on their hair, density, porosity, all of those things that are variables that we know to be true at this point. So are we setting ourselves up for unrealistic client expectations? I don't know. It's possible. Okay. Um, here's kind of four and five put together, this augmented reality for hair consultations, which we've been talking about in regards to the tablet, and this opportunity to be able to preview a style. And again, does technology help us to be a better communicator? And do we need to be better communicators now that things are getting more high tech? And it's possible, yes. Um, but are we still challenged by technology in our industry? Yes. So, you know, every day with clients, as I'm working with clients, they are frustrated, they are fearful, they don't want to make the time investment or the money investment into certain pieces of technology that could help make their businesses so much easier. Um, and that's where we need to start. We really need to start at just being a, a good in real life IRL and URL digital business. Like what are the things that digitally need to be in place? What are the things that we do in real life? And then how do we marry those two? So this futuristic Amazon salon might be well into the future, but we should start looking into ways to be more high tech and high touch as we kind of keep going here. So it goes back to client expectations. Just because they see themselves in a new haircut or color doesn't mean that we are capable of executing that exact look, okay? Or that they're going to achieve those ultimate desired results just based on looking at themselves in it from a piece of technology. And then we have to ask ourselves, all right, so if we're going to get more high tech as the future goes on, and we will, certainly, that's the truth, right? Who's going to be training them to be more high tech? Beauty schools? I don't think so. I'm not seeing a whole lot of new technology coming out of beauty schools. So now we have to be able to say we've got this, we, we, we have this black hole of we're supposed to be more high tech and there's all these reasons. So, you know, is Amazon going to open up salons and create this entire training opportunity for us as stylists so we can be more high tech? Possible. But again, soft skills that we have as human beings 
tech skills that we've learned in being able to do applications is still going to super exceed some of this technology that they're talking about. All right, now here's where it does get exciting. And here's where I think that salons can really start stepping up their game here. And that's kind of this point and learn technology, okay? So now I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of down some manufacturers here for a moment, you know? If our manufacturers were really interested in growing the salon business, we'd already have this. We would already have some of this technology. And, and I do believe that there probably is some of it out there at this point in time. Maybe not in our professional sector, but certainly it's going to happen in, in consumer client environments where, you know, uh, maybe it's not an actual product on the shelf, but maybe it's a picture of a product and you touch the picture, okay? Just like our phones, our tablets right now, you touch the picture and the picture then does a little descriptor about that product and kind of like leads you to believe is that the right product for you, okay? Now, if anybody's going to make this technology work, it's going to be Amazon, right? So I love the idea of this. It's kind of like the modern day shelf talkers. So we've all, we've, we've come up for 40 years that I've been in this industry, you know, and worked for manufacturers, shelf talkers have been a thing, right? But now there's this automated shelf talker technology. And I think that would be really great to have and a really great for manufacturers to get in that game with us so we can start competing more with um, Amazon type salons coming into the future. Um, because here's the thing, we know since stylists do not like to sell products, but we understand that clients love to buy products. Okay, that we have to we have to bridge that gap. And if the if the stylist is not going to recommend products, you know, either beginning, middle, or end of the service, then the shelf talkers, this this is where technology can really create that play and action to be able to help clients to buy more products. And I you guys, Amazon has no intentions of going into beauty if it wasn't highly profitable. Okay. They have no intentions of going into beauty if it wasn't highly profitable. You need to hear that. And where did I just say that highly profitable areas of opportunity are? It's in our retail shelves. It's on our product shelves. It's being able to make those professional recommendations. It's being able to get that, you know, create that sale for that client in the end. Okay. So if, and that's the way that the price structure has been set up. If we buy a product for $10 and we can sell it for $20, that's, that's a hundred percent profit margin. Okay. So it's, 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 or it's a hundred percent markup and 50% profit margin. Okay. We're getting back our money that we just spent on it. Now, by the time you add in, you know, how long it's been on the shelf or if you're paying commissions on those products, it reduces it down, but you already have a hundred percent markup to work with in order to create that margin. So it's highly profitable. So if you're in the business of thinking that you shouldn't be selling retail or maybe you need to discard retail, let's let them buy it from Ulta's, let them buy it from Amazon's and everything. Don't, don't go there. This is where I think we can become a more high tech, high touch type of business moving into the future. Okay. Again, Amazon is not going into beauty because it's a lost profit leader. It's a high profit business. Okay. That's why 
you know, for the last 25 years, you know, TJ Maxx and Marshalls and Ross and all and grocery stores and, and drug stores have all taken on professional products because there's a margin there to be made in order for it to be profitable. And they know that women will buy it. Okay. So you got to know that too. All right. So number seven, QR codes. Now this technology I love. I remember when it came out five, 10 years ago, I remember when I was in New York City and I was driving by a billboard and it had a massive QR code that you could stick your phone up through the window in the cab, right? At the QR code on the billboard and it would take you to an advertisement about that company. You know, this little story-based advertisement and advertorial about that company. And I thought, oh, that's such cool technology. And then I kind of like, People were putting QR codes on their, on their business cards to take people to their websites. And then all of a sudden it kind of like faded away like it, like it wasn't anything special. But I always thought it was a really great piece of technology, really easy piece of technology. So we're all seeing it now again that the pandemic, ha the pandemic has arrived. And this piece of technology is when we're going into a restaurant and they have this sticker on the, the table that they seat you at and you put your phone up to it to see the menu so that you're not touching a menu that's been touched by all these other people in the, you know, in the business. They're not cleaning or cleansing or sanitizing their menus over and over again. Now, some finer locations are providing you daily menus. In other words, they print them up and then they throw them away. Great. But the QR code is really cool. Like we have a QR code sitting on in a sign um, at our front desk that if people wanted to be able to see our price menu, because, you know, we have, we have different levels of stylists. So it's like if they said, well, how much is a haircut? You know, we get seven haircut prices because we have seven levels of stylists. So we have a QR code at the front desk and we just say, you know what, why don't you check out our prices and then you'll be able to see our, our level system. And then we can kind of, so if you say that you want a mid-level stylist, then you'll be able to see the price of the mid-level stylist. Or if it's more of a protege or if it's more of the our high-end ambassador type stylist. So the QR code is right there for clients to be able to do it. They know how to do this. We all know how to do this. We're consumers too. We know how to do this. They know how to do this. So I like this idea and it's simple and it's a super option that we could take advantage of right now. You know, there really could be, so you could look at, and I'll talk about this in its own podcast, but I'll just give you a little briefing here and we'll do it in the marketing section of the SOS podcast here. You could do your top 10 best selling products and you could create a QR code to it. Now, if you really want to own it, it would be a QR code that's going to your website that's talking about these products, not taking them to someone else's website. But if you have a manufacturer that has a very high-end professional website and you have an affiliate type program set up with them that you're still making money if products are being sold, then this is a great piece of technology that we can add to our salons today today. Okay. This is the digital future. Uh, teaching clients to buy instead of teaching stylists to sell. All right. Because people suck at selling. And I'm going to tell you guys right now, don't even argue with me on this. Most of you suck at selling. You don't want to sell. You don't want to sell products to your clients. So figure out ways that clients will still want to buy. Create incentives for clients to buy. Um, you know, then of course, this is the silly piece for it here. So this Amazon salon, it appears, and I'm unclear if this is truth or not, but this is how the articles that I read um, 
kind of directed me to, to assume this is that the client does a QR. So they click the little button and it tells about the products. And then there's a QR code that that's there. And then they can obviously put their phone up to the QR code and it takes them right to the Amazon, you know, shopping cart and they click, yes, I want two of those. And it goes into their cart and they buy it and then it gets shipped to them. Okay. Great. Okay. But here's the deal. You have the product sitting right there on your shelves. Okay. So I don't care what Amazon does. I don't care how futuristic this looks or feels, right? That they're going to click the little QR code and it goes into their shopping cart and gets delivered to them the next day from prime Amazon. I don't care. You have it sitting on your shelf right there. So figure out ways to not just have clients know about it, but put it into their hands and walk out the door with it. Okay. None of this bullshit of always going to get delivered later. Now, maybe what could happen is if they love that product and they don't want to do a special trip to the salon to pick it up, that they have now this record of, of them buying it and they can go back on and just buy it again. This is where Amazon technology is phenomenal. Okay. So buy now or deliver it via prime approach. We have the opportunity to buy now, which means that we have the cash currency happening in the salon now, which means that we have the opportunity to be more profitable now. And we got to get better at educating because that's what's going to help us to sell more products is to better educate the clients on what products they need. So if a shelf talker helps them to be better educated, great. If a stylist helps them to be better educated, wonderful figure out a way to make that particular portion of technology work. And then you'll be competitive with Amazon salons into the future. All right, distribution for beauty pros. And then here you go, here's, here's the end result right now. Distribution as we know it is probably gonna go away. And Amazon is gonna be our pro supply house, okay? And this is where I see stores. This is when, this is just my opinion and vision. This is where I see stores in the future. Now, I don't see necessarily pro stores like your Cosmoprof or Salon Centric because it's a very small market. Okay, we are a very small market. So I don't see why they would set up anything like that. You're just gonna have to buy it online as you would any other Amazon product. But where I do see this going for Amazon is maybe not necessarily the salon service world. I see them opening up stores that are going to compete with Ulta and Sephora. They're going to have these high-tech stores that are going to compete with Ulta and Sephora. And they're not going to have to have a bunch of inventory and they're not going to have to have um, a bunch of, uh, you know, shelving with products and all of this and you know, tons of people. It's going to be very um, not in real life people, but more high tech. And you're going to be able to experience the products and then buy experience and then buy. I see that as being the future. And I see that professionals are going to be buying from Amazon as a pro source um, down the road because distribution as we know, it is not doing, it's not faring well in our industry. Um, and it's not quite as accessible as it should be considering that we're at 2021. All right, so there's kind of the eight things that they looked at is, you know, how this Amazon business is supposed to, you know, kind of like step us into the future of salon business. But here's what I'm gonna share with you guys is that we still have the same problems no matter what. And these same problems are gonna kind of like continue into the future. So 
some of these problems are is that we are a very fragmented industry. Okay, we don't have uh, we don't have one national license. We have, you know, every state has their own number of hours. Every state has their own, in a sense, you know, way to be able to get licensed. Uh, country to country, it would be the same thing. There's no national reciprocity. So if you live here today, but you want to move somewhere else, another state tomorrow, you got to go through the, all the rigmarole of getting licensed again. Right now, we have a very small labor force, and I believe that it's going to shrink even over in the next five years, that there's going to be fewer and fewer people to accommodate the client demands of the services that we're looking for. So we're going to have to get really savvy on, um, you know, getting systems in place that create appointments for clients that create wait lists for clients that, you know, not spending four hours on services for clients, but really streamlining these services that we're doing in a, in a, in the shortest amount of time so that we can get more clients in, in a day, because there's not going to be a lot of us out there. Um, it's a low skilled worker pool. In other words, you know, it's, they're, they're not as well trained moving forward. Um, there's fewer employee-based salons, which has always been the foundation of training people in the past. So you could graduate from beauty school, get your license, and then you went to work in a salon and you either apprenticed or mentored, or you learned by working with a group of other people in this environment. And then, you know, maybe you went out and opened up your own salon, or at that point you felt like you could go do a suite type of thing, which is a point here is that there's an increase of independent stylists, which means that if there's a lot of little box businesses, then Amazon could come in and just take over because they're going to be high tech and high touch. And there's little options for that high tech and high touch and high pay. Um, if we're majority independent environment. Okay. Majority independent environment they're going to have the same issues that blow dry bars and Madison Reed and everyone else is having right now is that there's not enough qualified stylists out there to fill all the positions that are available. And it's not like you're going to go work for an Amazon location and think that you're going to make a bunch of money. They're going to probably set it up as a per hour pay to work in this environment and again, it changes the dynamics and the whole landscape of our industry moving forward. So there's my, uh, there's, there's my overview of this. I don't think we need to be threatened by it, but I also believe with all of my heart, you guys, and I've been, I've been preaching this for years, we've got to get more digitally savvy to compete in this world today with technology. We've got to get more digitally savvy and that's what I really want to work with you on. So get the support that you need today. Figure out how to be this profitable salon. Looking at these five areas that I talk about in this in this some strategy of my SOS coaching program because we have to be able to get more sophisticated and be that profitable salon that has a future so that we can compete with Amazon salons in the future. And you know what? Here's you guys, I'm going to offer you this. You can book a free session with me right now to be able to talk about how this works and where you think you might need the support from. No obligation. Not going to do a big sales pitch on you. It's not my style. I'm really going to look at one area of your business. And in that time that we have together in this one hour session, I'm going to help you see how simple it could be for you to apply 
technology, some marketing skills, maybe some operational skills, maybe it's just mindset that you need um, to be able to get your business to the next level. And how you're going to do that, you're going to book uh, this free session with me. Go to sossaloncoaching.com. That's SOS saloncoaching.com. You'll see a button on there that says book my free session and it'll go on my calendar and we'll get a chance to meet and look at how we can bring your salon into the future. All right, guys, thanks for joining me today with the SOS Salon podcast and coaching. I'm committed to building your brand so that you can survive, but also helping to develop you so that you can thrive. Until next time, guys, have a great week.